Welcome to the Spare Rib Audio Zine. Spare Rib is a student-run feminist organization located at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. This is Someone Needs to Know by Edda Naz Goktemir from the Reckoning Edition published Spring 2023. The piece was illustrated and page designed by Zeynep Bayurtepe, read by Regan Betcher. Special thanks to Dartmouth College Radio for lending Spare Rib their time and space, making this audio zine project possible. What if we fall tonight? Someone asks. Three sorcerers are sitting in a decaying library in the oldest keep at the edge of a fracturing world. The one with the question stares at the two others in the room filled with the silence of crackling firewood, the warm air interrupted by the breeze seeping in through the cracks of the glass mosaics on the windows reaching towards the high ceiling. The candlelights flicker with whispers of wind, scattering the trembling shadows across the bookshelves as the bursts of thunder echo intermittently, covering the sounds of scribbling, turning of pages and whimpers in the night. A timely question. It could happen, really, replies Darren, the youngest one, on the couch with intricate floral patterns. The flowers look like they have been aflame a long time ago. They are lying on a burnt garden, aware of the flames, nonchalantly flipping through the pages of their book, trying to suppress their yawns. Prophecies for the last day. I thought we'd gone over this, says Azra, the oldest, sighing. She keeps scribbling on a brown notebook with disintegrating yellow pages, her eyes cold behind her thick glasses. Every night she sits under her pale candlelight, recording the spells, runes, and charms they tried to stop the storms, the earthquakes, and the endless deaths. Page upon page, grave upon grave. Yeah, but it is interesting every time, replies Darren. I am glad you find your work so amusing, says Azra. How can I not? Not everyone gets to see the end of the world from front row seats. You cannot just sit back and enjoy yourself. You were not meant to be a mere spectator. Well, we are trying, aren't we? I'm just saying we might fail, and most likely will. The recorder's scribbles grew louder, angrier, hastier. She slams her notebook and stands in front of the glass mosaic on the window, depicting a sorceress of the old tales, her name long forgotten. Azra's shadows grow longer on the back wall, painted with cracks, tears of rain, spells gone awry, and thrown fists. The youngest snuggles further into the embrace of their burnt garden, letting the book of prophecies fall flat on their chest. They stare blankly at the ceiling that can fall under their heads any day. We should rehearse, says someone. The youngest, Darren, slowly turns their head toward the back of the room. What? If it is bound to happen, we should rehearse. That's insane, replies Darren, with a crooked smile. Well, at least you'll find it entertaining. Darren snorts. We do not have time to play games, replies Azra, without turning from the window. You were the one who said we are not mere spectators, replies someone. Yeah, plus you should be used to acting all the time by now, says Darren. Azra slowly turns from the window, storm clouds in her eyes. She stares at the mischievous grin on the youngest's face. She walks slowly with her steady stride toward the youngest, then sits on the armchair facing them. Fine, let's rehearse. But I will direct, she says. Of course you will, replies Darren, without moving their gaze from Azra's face. They stare at each other for a moment without flinching, as someone drags their chair to the middle of the room, the creak of the floor echoing inside the library. Tell us then, how will you die? Someone asks. Oh yes, enlighten us, please, says Darren, 
suddenly sitting up on the couch, fluttering dust as they move, imitating the air of an over-attentive student. Disregarding them, Azra starts speaking with her eyes closed, as if casting a spell. One day, one of my calculations will be a little more off than usual, and I will be swallowed by the earth when I am on the ground, inspecting a village hit by a recent earthquake, she says, in a deep, low voice, quieter than the footsteps of thunder. She stops to point at Darren on the couch. They will die when they walk too far into the ocean during the reflow of the tide before a tsunami hits, even though I have told them not to countless times. Likely, says Darren. And you, Azra says, looking at someone for the first time during the night. You will die with your head buried in your hands, in this library, because you will be too paralyzed to do anything as the storm approaches to demolish this keep. A thunderbolt punctuates her last sentence. Azra maintains her gaze on someone, her expression as still as a statue broken in half by a scar across her face. A monument of ancestors long gone, obsolete spells, a relic from a dying world. You are no fun, replies Darren. It is my turn. They step on the couch with a hop, wrapping their blanket around their shoulders as a cape, holding their book of prophecies like a holy text of the old. They pretend to clear their throat and start speaking. According to this ancient text of great wisdom, the worst of the sinners, the life-takers, rapists, and conquerors will die when fire rains from the sky. Those who stand watch as mere witnesses to the crimes of their people will drown in the tides extinguishing the flames. The earth will crack open to swallow the rest of the cowardly, miserable, pathetic human beings, including us. The heavenly beings, whatever you may call them, will weep at our tragic demise. Why don't they save us, you ask? Well, that is a divine plan. We are humble mortals who dare not understand the cosmic pattern of the universe. We shall obey our creator and accept our death when the time comes. Their voice rises to the ceiling and echoes throughout the library as they let their book fall to the floor with a loud thud, take an extravagant bow, and sit back on the couch. They stare at Azra with fire in their eyes, their chest rising and falling with quick, shallow breaths. You make fun of old beliefs, but you are too lazy and directionless to find something to believe in yourself, says Azra. What is there to believe in, replies Darren. All the spells we try fail, all of our books are full of crap, all our so-called comrades deserted us. Stop complaining like a little child. No one told you this job will be easy. Oh please, I never complained because it is difficult, Darren spits the words out. Stop taking yourself so seriously and quit acting like you are in charge. Nothing we do matters anyways. Speak for yourself, I make it matter. You make it matter? Darren gives out a chuckle in disbelief. You can barely interact with all the people on the ground who are living through it all. You make your calculations and cast your spells and spit out orders from your castle so that you can keep pretending that everything you do matters. You know what, replies Azra. Feel free to leave this keep if you feel like it is so insignificant. No one is keeping you here. I am not going to run away from fear like you do, replies Darren. Plus, I have nowhere else to go, they add in a somewhat quieter voice. How can you blame me with cowardice? asks Ezra. Stop pretending, you two, says someone. I know it terrifies you just as much as it terrifies me. The storm ensues outside. The candles keep dripping. The fireplace is about to go quiet. Why did you make us rehearse all of it then? asks the youngest. I want to know what to feel, what to do, what to deny, what to believe in when the time comes. I want to know how to cry, how to laugh, 
how to be afraid, how to be brave. I need someone to teach me how to die. I need someone to die with me, but no one will. Someone gets up and starts blowing out the candles in the room. I guess I'll have to figure it out on my own. <laughs>